0: Well, in 2011, uh, as a highlight in my life, I made a, a couple changes in 2011. There's also something that happened in 2011 that, if people, it, it hit me hard. I'll never forget. I'll I'll remember it till the day I die. That was we had a severe drought in Houston. I don't know if you remember. Oh, maybe yeah. I'm sure Brother Mark does. He has land in Texas with trees, and I'm pretty sure he had issues with. Drought problems. you have problems with that? You remember 2011? A bunch of trees died. I, I only have 4 acres and I had probably 15 trees dies. I, I couldn't imagine what that was like for you. But the drought, water became a big deal all of a sudden for us. Typically in Houston, especially in these last couple of years, we've had rain and rain and more rain. And ever since 2011, yeah. even during Harvey, I looked out the window and said, thank you Lord. for the rain you know why because i lived through a drought and if and if you're not thankful for the rain just live through a drought and you'll you will you will want the water when the water comes you will be very very thankful for it sometimes maybe a little bit too much but that's okay water is an essential part of our life I think there's things that we touch and use and utilize and every single day that we don't even realize how much water gets used. Of course, we can only live basically 3 days without without water. We it's it's used in every facet. It makes electricity. It uh, apparently it has a lot to do with leather making. This is a genuine leather bible. Leather chase would appreciate that. And, and we use we all have for the most part unless you're driving an old Volkswagen Beetle that's air cooled. We all drove our car today and it was cooled by water. And I think this Bible has a lot to say about water. I'd like to take a little bit of time tonight and look what it says about water and especially living water. So we can, this water here, I, I drink hopefully daily. I'm, I've gone without a day without water, sometimes too, but never three. But the living water, once you get it, you're not thirsty anymore. The Bible speaks of water in the term basically over 700 times. It has a lot to say. I don't, I don't know. My mic's on. It's, it's just crazy tonight on, on that stuff. So it's mentioned, water's mentioned over 700 times in the Bible. If we look at Genesis 1-2, it says, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And of course we know Revelation, it talks about um, whosoever thirsts, let him come, let him drink of the waters. Um, Isaiah 12, 3 says, therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. John seven thirty eight says, he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. We think of David who longed for for just a little drink out of that, out of that well he used, to, he used to love his friends, went and got him a drink. He he poured it out to the Lord because he couldn't drink it. Water's mentioned a lot in the Bible, but specifically we want to talk tonight about living water and what that means. Turn in your Bible if you would to Isaiah chapter. I'm sorry, Jeremiah chapter two. And we're gonna look at a couple of scriptures here. Of course, we know Jeremiah, he's He's called at a specific time for a specific purpose. And he's he's preaching a message. And this is... This is chapter 2 is probably one of his first public messages. Here, i like to start in uh, verse 1. It says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness, in a land that was not sown. Israel was holiness unto the Lord, and the first fruits of his increase was all, all that devoured him shall offend. Evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel." Thus saith the Lord, What iniquity have your fathers found in me, that they are gone far from me, and have walked after vanity, and have become vain? Neither said they, Where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, that led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and of pits, through, uh, through a land of drought, and, a, and out of the shadow of death, and through a land that no man passed through, and where no man uh, dwelt and I brought you into a plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof but when you entered you defiled my land and made mine heritage an abomination the priest said not where is the Lord and they that handled the law knew me not the pastors also transgressed against me and the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit Wherefore I will plead with you, saith the Lord, and with your children's children will I plead. For pass over the isles of Chittim, and see unto Gadar, and consider diligently, and see if there be such a thing. Hath a nation, nation changed their gods which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory, for that which doeth not profit. Be astonished, O ye heavens! At this and be horribly afraid, be ye very desolate," saith the Lord, "for my people have committed two evils; they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters." Jeremiah. Jeremiah is pleading with the Israelites in this time, and he's bringing an accusation against them. And the accusation he's bringing against them is an evil thing. God said, what is this evil thing that God says is so evil? Is it something that they've done that's so desolate? But he says that they have forsaken the living water. And who is the living water? God says, it's him. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. The first evil that God says is that his people have forsaken him. Sometimes when we think of evil, we think of things, evilness. uh, We see it every day on the news. We see people murdered. We see uh, uh, things done to babies that that are awful and atrocities. But God says there's an evil that's happened in the land of Israel. And Jeremiah is called to tell people what the evil is. And it's that they have forsaken the living water. Are you thirsty tonight? Are you thirsty? There's there's plenty to drink, but sometimes I think we're we may be already full. We may we're, our thirst is already being quenched, yeah. but not with something that should be. Yeah. Tonight I think the children of God should be very thirsty for Him, and we should not be forsaking Him. But I want to talk about this fountain of living water. It's It's very drawing to me because I see a fountain of living water that is coming up out of the ground and is unquenchable. You can't stop it. It's coming out of the ground and no man can stop it. Who can stop the Lord and who's going to stop that? But you can live by it each and every day. Look at this fountain that we... Be careful in Jeremiah chapter 2. The Lord has laid it out what has happened. Let's look at um, verse 4. It says, Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, in the families of the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord: What iniquity have your fathers found in me, that they are gone far from me, and have walked after vanity and, be, and become vain? Neither said said they, Where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, that led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and pits, and through a land of drought, and out of the shadow of death, and through a land that no man had passed through? where no man has dwelt there's something about that fountain the fountain is faithful oh what a simple message yes it is very simple the fountain is very faithful the the fountain of living water never dries up it never stops it never it never leaves you in a place where you're going to be so thirsty and and can't get a drink it's always going to be able to give you a drink because it is faithful what is he talking about here it's it's the faithfulness of this fountain in times of drought. This is what he's saying. God is saying that there is no man can accuse the Lord of leaving them without hope and without help in the wilderness. We read through the Bible that God was with them day and night and and dropped manna down from heaven and brought quail and brought meat and, and brought water in the midst of the wilderness. And that's what God is saying, that your fathers cannot say tonight that that the Lord has left us high and dry, that the living waters have dried up. They cannot say that. And I'm thankful here today that I cannot say that either. I cannot say that, oh God, where were you in this time? 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 No, I have to look back and say the complete opposite. That God, you were right here when I needed you on this date and you were right here when I needed you on this date and when I woke up this morning, you were right here where I needed you because I needed me each and every day to live in this world we live in. And so has it been with generations past, and so will it be with generations forward. And we even see here that God even opens His heart more about this living water, as we see right here in verse 9. It says, Wherefore I yet plead with you. God is an eternal, almighty, has the strongest fist that you can think of, brings the hammer down, has opened hell up and sucked people down wide open. But yet, he tells us here that the living water pleads with you to come and live by it and get a drink from it. And if you're a father, if you're a mother, if you have kids and grandkids, be thankful tonight that the Lord said, I will plead with you, saith the Lord, and with your children's children will I plead. We, I had even someone today, uh, yesterday, As I was working, we were just uh, talking in conversation there, and he looked at me and he said, boy, I'm glad I'm as old as I am. I said, because you and your kids, I'm not sure what y'all are going to do. And I said, you know what? I'm not sure either, but I know know where to go. I know where to stay. I know where to live by. I know how I'm going to make it, and that's by staying with the living water. But we also see God is faithful in times of drought. He says it there. When things are dried up, when things are not going how they're supposed to be, when when there's famine in the land, God is yet found faithful over and over and over again. And we get in these circumstances in our life, and we look at it and we say, Oh, it's just so barren. It's so dry. It's such a drought. But God is more faithful than that. This was a physical drought he was actually talking about that they went through. But there's no doubt that he's talking about a spiritual drought. Brother Mark has changed my mind over something. Can you believe that or not? Anyways, he said something when I first came to church. I was sitting there in a Sunday school class, and he said, living for Christ in a post-Christian world. And I was like, a post-Christian American? I said, wait, what? Hold on. When did that happen? And then I was like, man, you're right. We're not, this is not really a Christian society anymore. And I went, oh man, things, things are kind of, on the change big time. And then of course the last several years we've seen change after change after change after change. And sometimes we feel like there's a drought coming and that's okay. Because I know, but we know. We know who has the living water and we know where to go during a drought. And it says here but look at it, look at verse six again. It says neither said they, Where's the Lord? They they couldn't say that. Where's the Lord? He was there the whole time. That brought us up out of the land of Egypt, that led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and pits, and a land of drought, and of the shadow of death. I, I would say very few in this room have ever really faced a true shadow of death. Maybe you have, but I've listened to stories of people that have, and it's very crazy. But I also thought this. I said, perhaps... We have all faced the shadow of death with somebody in our family. Maybe someone very, very close. And we realize that God is still the same and still is able to provide you through that situation regardless, even in the times of the shadow of death. Makes you think of someone else, doesn't it? Makes Makes you think of David in Psalms 23. He knew where his help was at even in the times of the valley of the shadow of death. David knew where to find God. David knew where to get help. And for David, that wasn't an illustration. But his life was really on the line of being hunted for day in and day out. And for us, as we see death, loved ones pass over into the other side, God, this fountain of living water can be found very faithful in those times. And this is what Jeremiah, with the Lord speaking through Jeremiah, this is what he's pleading with the Israelites about. Please look at your situation. Look at the people that have gone on before you. They have absolutely, they could never find a fault in God, but yet they had, they had to find him faithful in all situations. Let's keep reading in verse 6. We just read that God's, found faithful in a drought and in the, sh- the shadow of death and through a land that no man passed through and where no man dwelt. God is found faithful in times of isolation. I would, I would say that if you desire for your relationship to be stronger with the Lord, you will go through a period of time of isolation with the Lord. They all, they all, all the great prophets of old had to. David had his time of isolation. The Apostle Paul had his time. Jesus had his time. And if the, if the Lord had to go through it, I'm sure you will have to. And that, that period of isolation is not a time of woe is me, but it's a time of oh, how great He is. Yeah. Though you may be found by yourself, it's okay, because you're not by yourself. But you're, you're having to Put all your trust in Him. Because so often, I'm guilty of it myself. I hope Blessed it doesn't testify anytime soon. But we're, we're very, very... Um, uh, the, the, the area around us really dictates how we feel a lot. How other people treat us and different things happen. That really dictates a lot. But what are you going to do when all that's gone? Take all that away. It's just, God leaves you alone, just you and Him, and everybody else forsakes you. What are you going to do? Are you going to say your situation is this, that? No. God is more than enough. And There was a time when I preached. I preached about friendship, and I preached about, you know, you should be a loyal friend, and friends are loyal, and then what are you going to do when, are you going to be that friend that's going to back up another friend and stay there strong and and be there? And uh, be real careful what you preach, because... You're going to have to live it. And I had, to, I had to see that happen. I watched that happen in my own life where I went, oh, I went, man. I said, man, sometimes it might just be just me around here. And, uh, but I'm, I'm thankful I can say that God, God was more than enough because it's living water. Once you drink of it, you don't thirst no more. You don't have to look around. You don't have to search for it. But you just keep drinking at the living water and drinking at the living water and drinking at the living water and drink, 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 drink forever and ever, amen. It's there in heaven. I guess we'll keep drinking of it for all eternity. Of course, God is pleading with His people. We see that in verse 9. But if we look at verse 8, it says, The priest said, They said not, Where is the Lord? And they that handled the law knew me not, the pastors, and also transgressed against me. And the prophets prophesied by Baal, and walked after things that do not profit. Oh, the people of God were busy. They were busy. They They, they were religious. They were doing things. But God said it's not how he wanted them to do it. They weren't worshiping the true God. And then, of course, the Word of God being unbiased and throws it all out there, says, and walked after things that do not profit. God puts that right there in there with the, the, the previous half of the sentence, says, and prophets prophesied by Baal. Right there with idolatry. Walked after things that do not profit. God help us all tonight because if we're all honest with ourselves, we we have walked after things that do not profit. We lay our head down at night and we think about the day and we say, ooh, not really sure. Not really sure what all that got done. That's why Saturday is so important to come knock doors, because when you get done knocking doors, you will say, you know what? I made a made a difference in the kingdom of heaven today. When you hand a gospel track out, you say, you know what? I may have made a kingdom, uh, a difference today. I may have made a difference in a soul. I'm not negating work. We work. I work. And I work. Brother Allen, he works. We have to work. We have to work. We have to do what we have to do to provide for our family. That's biblical, and that's God-honoring. But while you're doing that, are you doing something for God? Do your coworkers even know our church exists? Better yet, do they even know The God you worship exists? Do they know it by your actions? Do they know it by your character? Or are we we still walking after things that do not profit? Someone says, oh, that's Old Testament. All right, we'll go to Apostle Paul. We'll go to Apostle Paul, and he says, when I become a man, I put away childish things. i got things I probably should still be putting away. I love to plead. You know, I'm—I'm—I try to be as macho as I can be, you know, but there's still things I should probably put away because I, I want to be considered a man. Now I'm—things I shouldn't do. I'm not here to tell you what those things are, because they will probably be different for different people. But I think if you—if you wanted to think about it and ask the Lord, I'm sure He'll give you an answer. Well, yeah. I'm sure He will. But, it's just really it's really sombering to think that that God's going to put how these people in leadership in the church I use that as in Israel they worship the, the wrong God false God's idols but yet they they also walked after vain things the book of Ecclesiastes is hard for me to read because it yeah, it brings you right back to what's really going to matter. Yeah. Idolatry, vanity. This is the Lord's book. This is what He said. Entertainment. Entertainment is crazy in the world. 720 billion dollars. So the last thing, what they were worth, I don't even know. It's it's definitely a time waster. It's definitely a, a deal. We all get caught up in it. But, uh, sin, that's that's an easy one, ain't it? Sin is very vain. It's You're going to walk after things that do not profit. Sin, it costs you more than you want to pay. It takes you further than you want to go and keeps you longer than you want it to stay. It, Sin, you sin doesn't profit, not for our God, not for us. Profit the devil. Well, we got to move on. Let's look at the second half of verse 13, because God said that there was two evils. We just mentioned one, that Israel has forsaken. The living, me, he says, me, the living waters. Okay? And what's the second half of the verse? What's the second evil that God says? It says, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. God says that you, not only have you forsaken me. It's one thing to say, okay, I'm not going to follow God anymore but he says it's even worse because they turn from God and turn to an idol. Okay? And they're doing it in their own accord. It's the same old song, the same old broken record, same old thing that we do. Same old thing where we kind of turn from God and decide to do things kind of in our own light, kind of in our own ways and our own schemes and our own plots versus doing it how god has clearly laid out for it to do stay by the living water stay by me i'm enough i'm more than enough yeah. you'll never be thirsty by me yeah. Amen. Amen. god has some stipulations about staying by him about drinking from that well good thing is all are welcome Over and over and over, God pleads, pleads from Genesis to Revelation. God is pleading for all men to come get a drink. It's very interesting because I I just, I see this big vision of 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 a cistern. Houston has a cistern. Leslie took me there one time. Big, giant cistern. You walk underground, it looks like a giant tomb. And you go, whoa, I didn't know this was even here. It's huge, but one thing you'll notice about that cistern, it's stagnant. You go down there and you say, whoa, it's stagnant down here. There's nothing. There ain't no water moving around here for a long time. And if you're getting stagnant, it's probably because you're, you're kind of doing your own way, your own thing a little bit. probably need to get more back to the living waters, doing it, doing it God's way, getting, getting close to the Word doing it His way. Amen. Don't you see that in that parallel? God says, stay by me, the living waters. And He says, oh, but you forsake me, that's evil. But He says, oh, this is evil too. You don't only forsake me, but you're trying to do it. You've hewn it out the way you want to hew it out. Trying to, trying to do use the water how you want to use the water in your time and how you want to do it. It's such a great principle because we do it all the time. All the time, Thankfully, the Word of God is very clear on how we should live our life. It, the New Testament is very clear. The Apostle Paul is very clear. We don't have to guess on how we're supposed to live our life. Jesus was very clear. John chapter 15 says, Well, how are we supposed to live? Abide in, abide in me. Abide in Christ. What are we supposed to do? Abide in Christ. How do we stay close to the living water? Abide in Christ. Well, how do we do that? It's easy. Forsake yourself and cling to Christ. But we have a real bad habit of clinging to everything but Christ. But, but once you cling to Him and get a drink of that water, and then you kind of wiggle on out there and get a taste of something else, while you're ready to go back. I'm, God, i got to go back. I'm coming back. I, I, I love your living water. It's, it's great. It's more than enough. It's more than enough. I'm thankful for that. I've labeled the second half of the verse called a manufactured faith. Because these people were trying to manufacture their own God, their own religion, their own way of worshiping. You see it right there. It's just like where uh, Aaron and the people made a golden calf. They manufactured something. We don't We don't serve a manufactured God. Amen. What we're supposed to do is not manufactured. I, not, I, I, I can't make it. No. It's God is the everlasting being, eternal, everlasting, end to end, there's no end, forever and ever, amen. Hey, stick by the water, stick by the true water. i got a couple of different things for you. Um, water in the Bible speaks of the Spirit of God. Genesis 1-2 says that God moved upon the face of the water, the Spirit moved upon the face of the waters. Um, Isaiah forty four three. I'm just going to turn there real quick. I just want to read you a couple verses. Um, like I told you, seven hundred mentions. I just I don't want to sit up here and read all seven hundred. Uh, probably be a pretty good study though. Isaiah forty four three says, um, let's see, because of their wickedness which they have committed to provoke me to an anger. Um, and that they went to burn incense and to serve other gods whom they knew not, neither uh, neither they, ye, nor your fathers. Uh, no, that's not it. Let me look at my other one. I got a 49.10 49, 10. But I have made Esau bare, and I have uncovered his secret places, and he shall not be able to uh, hide himself, and his seed is uh, spoiled, and his brethren, neither his labors. Oh, my gosh. I know what's going on. i got to get out of Jeremiah. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. Now, we'll start making some sense. This about like today has gone. They shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the heat nor the sun smite them, for he shall have mercy on them and shall lead them even by the springs of water shall he guide them. And it's full that Psalms is full of it. Water has a lot of properties to it. Like I told you, we use water every day for a whole bunch of things. Well, we we use water a lot because it has a cleansing property to it. We clean a lot of things with water. I clean my boots off when I walk in the mud. Sometimes, sometimes I clean my truck when I drive through the mud. Sometimes I don't. But on a more serious note, the the water speaks of the spirit of God, and that's how and that's how we get clean. Those living waters. I. uh I've done a lot of plumbing jobs. Jeremiah will know this. The old galvanized pipe on the inside is rough. It's, it's dirty. It can get real dirty. And that's what I think of sometimes when that, that, that pipe's getting real dirty, water's barely trickling out. But the cleansing of the water of the Word, the, spirit of the, the water speaks of the Spirit, which keeps us clean. The symbolism of baptism that my old life has passed away, my new life is going to be a clean life for the Lord. Are you thirsty tonight? Do you want to live by the fountains? I do. Oh, yeah. I'm thirsty for Him. This world will make you develop a thirst. Not for, Well, you can for them, but it makes me want to get even closer to the Lord. I get thirsty. Be careful of a manufactured faith. Be careful when you start wanting to kind of do things in your own light. We're real, we're real, uh, we're very quick to, let's use the term justify. We justify things that we do a lot. You know, it may be in the gray area, but we, we, we don't give God the doubt. We give ourselves the doubt. Just err on God's side. When you're doing something, just err on God's side. I learned that from the fire department. When you are working with a patient and you're in a gray area, you do what's best for the patient. With God, err on his side. If you're wondering, like, should shouldn't, you probably shouldn't then. <laughs> Water is necessary, powerful, it's a life giver, and it's a life taker. And my final thought is, water is most refreshing when you're thirsty. I've thinking the times when I've been the most thirsty, I thought about it, and it goes back to football practice. Football practice, it's going to go back to the fire academy, because, I don't know, you're dehydrated all day. And you come out of there thirsty but my real question is is if i'm that thirsty for the lord or or has my thirst been quenched with other things we live in a, we, we have it fairly easy here in america i i, I think so i've been to, out of the country once that was enough for me to see oh man we have it we have a, we're blessed beyond all measure but with that blessings, we have a lot of vain things, and we can follow after a whole bunch of different directions. And sometimes my thirst gets quenched with other things, and and I long to get back to the living fountain. I ain't, talk, I ain't talking about losing your salvation. You get the drink of the water, you're saved. Get you a drink of the water, you become born again. If you don't even understand what living water is, you need to be born again because... That's, that's the only thing that will quench that desire inside of you to serve an everlasting God. And to get rid of that sin, that heart of sin, that life of sin, is you're going to you're gonna have to give it to the one that can cleanse it in that fountain. Oh, that fountain is not just a fountain of water. That's a fountain of blood that cleanses us from sin. Tonight, I know most of you here, but if you don't know the Lord, you say, I don't even know what this fountain is. There's a fountain that God God can cleanse you all your sin away. From Jesus on the cross, shed his blood. Christian, are you, are you thirsty for God? You want Him? go to him tonight. As we pray, go to him. He's the one that has the water. I'll leave you with Jeremiah, how he left him. He said, have, have your father said that I've forsaken him in a dry land? No, they can't. And I'm thankful tonight that I can say the same thing. God has never forsaken His people. Amen. Not one time. God has always, always provided water for His people. You walk around for three days in the desert, yes, it gets thirsty. But God is there. He'll give you a drink. Tonight is no different. Our Lord still gives that drink. And I'm thankful to live by it. I'll close in a word of prayer and then I'll turn it over to Brother Mark. Father, tonight I'm thankful today that I can say that I've tasted of the water of the living fountain. God, the day I tasted on it I was a teenager and I'll never have thirsted again for anything else other than in this life than just to just to be with you for all eternity. And I pray, Father, if there's one here tonight that doesn't have that same yearning and that same desire, that may not know you, I pray, Father, they would get it figured out. And, Father, for the Christian Lord that's just thirsty, the world has parsed his lips, I pray, God, that he would get a drink. Father, that he would get in his Bible and, and in, into the Spirit of God and just say, Hey, I, I need you, God. I need to get a drink. Father, I'm thankful, Lord, in my life for the times so that you have showed yourself faithful time and time and time again. And, Father, I can stand just like Jeremiah stood and said, God, you have never, ever forsaken us. But, Father, you have provided us with a drink over and over and over again. And regardless of the winds of time and, and, and change that are going to blow, Father, you will remain faithful. Father, I'm thankful for that tonight. Father, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.